0: Namaskar. A warm welcome to World News, an Indian perspective on All India Radio. This is RS Raghu and with me is Manoj Singh Rana, bringing glimpses of the major developments of the day from across the globe. Over the next half an hour, we shall bring you the latest from the world of politics, economy, sports, entertainment and more. The headlines. India stood by Africa during COVID-19 pandemic by supplying medicines and vaccines says its external affairs minister, Dr. S.J. Shankar. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi conducts aerial survey of cyclone-hit areas of Gujarat, announces 1,000 crore-rupees relief package. Johnson & Johnson Company joins hands with a firm based in Indian state of Telangana for manufacturing Janssen COVID-19 vaccine. France and Austria reopened restaurants and bars as lockdowns ease. IOC Reassures Japan of its full commitment to organize safe Olympic and Paralympic Games with strict implementation of COVID 19 protocols. And U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi calls for American diplomatic boycott of 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing over Chinese human rights abuses. As the number of COVID cases is on the rise, we appeal to our listeners not to lower the guard, take all the precautions and all those above 45 years of age who have taken the first dose of COVID-19 vaccine to get vaccinated with second dose at the scheduled time. Stay safe and protected by following these three simple steps. Wear a face mask, maintain dogas ki for social distancing and focus on hand and face hygiene. Now the news in detail. Indian External Affairs Minister Dr. S. Shankar said, India stood by Africa amid the COVID-19 outbreak and supplied medicines, vaccines and health-related equipment to over 42 countries in the African continent during the crisis. The Minister was addressing the UN Security Council on Peace and Security in Africa, stressing the need for reformed multilateralism, Dr. Shankar said, the voice of Africa is not given its proper due. The minister spoke about 189 Indian projects in 41 African countries, 43,000 education and training slots in last 5 years and 17 digital programs.
1: The world must stand by Africa in this crisis. On its part, India has done so by supplying medicines, vaccines and health-related equipment to 42 African countries. We are also working in partnership with South Africa and others to address the challenges of accessibility and affordability of vaccines. Beyond the pandemic, Africa's recovery will be facilitated by partnerships that genuinely address its economic sustainability. India's approach was spelt out by the Kampala principles enunciated by Prime Minister Modi in 2018. In effect, India will respond to the priorities of Africa as defined by Africans themselves.
0: Earlier, Indian Minister of State for External Affairs v. Murali Dharan also reiterated India's commitment to build a more resilient and stronger Africa. The minister stated this while delivering India's message at the Summit on Financing African Economies hosted by French President Emmanuel Macron. The minister highlighted India's unique development partnership with Africa, characterized by innovation, local needs and transparency. India has expressed concern at the situation along the Armenia-Azerbaijan
2: border. In response to media queries and recent developments at the Armenia-Azerbaijan border, External Affairs Ministry spokesperson Horand Mbakchi said border incursions through military movements can destabilise the situation and lead to renewed hostilities. India has called upon the transgressing side to pull back forces immediately and cease any further provocation. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi today undertook an aerial survey of affected areas in Gujarat and Dew to assess the devastation caused by Cyclone Tauté. The Prime Minister is in Gujarat to review the situation in the state in the aftermath of Cyclone Tauté. Mr Modi also held a review meeting with st- in state capital Ahmedabad. He said that the centre will help in rebuilding damaged infrastructure. He said that the central government is working closely with all the states affected by the cyclone. The Prime Minister also announced a 1,000 crore rupees release package for the cyclone-hit areas of Gujarat. According to sources, this package has been given for the rehabilitation work in the areas devastated by an extremely severe cyclonic storm. The Prime Minister also announced an excretion of 2 lakh rupees each to the next of kin of those who lost their lives due to cyclone Taute in the affected
0: states. INS Kochi has returned to Mumbai after rescuing 188 people from barge P-305 that had gone adrift on Monday in the wake of cyclone Tauktae. Along with the rescued personnel, the ship also returned with the bodies of 22 victims who could not be saved. In today's hotspot section, we bring you a discussion on cyclone Tote, preparedness and impact. In conversation with former Director General of India Meteorological Department, Dr. Lakshman Singh Rathor is journalist Neelab Srivastal. The extremely
1: severe cyclonic storm Tote, which derives its name from a Manmarie's gecko lizard, has now weakened into a depression. And as per reports that were received till this morning, it lay centered around uh, or maybe over South Rajasthan and adjoining the Gujarat region. The cyclone hit the coast or to say made a landfall between Gyu and Una town of Fagir Somnath district of Gujarat on Monday night. It caused a major damage as at least 13 lives are stated to have been lost in Gujarat with a wide variety of destruction to property. The cyclone also triggered heavy rains in many parts of Saurashtra coast to the North Gujarat area. And also had its effect in multiple states, with some of the coastal states like Maharashtra, Goa, Tamil Nadu, Kerala, the Union Territory of Diu, Tadra and Nagar Haveli, and also its uh, remnant effects are being seen in the northern part of uh, the country, in the northern states. Right now, at this moment, and this is a developing rescue operation, wherein. ONGC barge across the Mumbai shore. There is a rescue operation ongoing. At least 22 deaths of uh, the workers there has been reported. Also, the Prime Minister, Mr. Narendra Modi today undertook an aerial survey of Gujarat and the UT of the U and held a meeting with the senior officers. Mr. Strathor, you have long seen and studied these developments as a weatherman and as an IMD officer. What exactly goes into preparing, analyzing and predicting these cyclones?
3: Nilab, as far as preparedness for any cyclone is concerned, it has to be done at three levels, and that is level at the personal and family levels, community levels, and government and local bodies level. That is aspect number one. Aspect number two, we need to understand that at different stages of uh, cyclones, for example, before the cyclone season, when a cyclone watch is issued, or when there's a warning issued for evacuation, etc., when the cyclone is striking, when post-cyclone, for different stages, the preparedness are different, and the government needs to prepare from the point of view of development of policies, guidelines, the response plan and mechanisms, then establishment of uh, cyclone forecasting and warning mechanisms, and ensuring uh, necessary safety measures along the areas which are likely to be impacted by The cyclones, and then also review and strengthening the relief and uh, distribution systems, stockpilings, then communication aspects and information dissemination mechanism, ensuring the last mile connectivity, resource mapping, particularly in terms of uh, the shelters, uh, the entire logistics, right from food, health security, everything, and then also doing trainings, capacity building, awareness program, and medical preparedness. So this is a whole gamut of uh, activities which government will have to do. When it comes to the community or local bodies, they need to understand that the vulnerability of the communities and also identify the who are the most vulnerable, what are their risk levels, And also information dissemination mechanism according to the vulnerability and risk to the communities. And the promote local level cyclone risk management planning. And that has to be done through participatory approach. So the community engagements and all sorts of things. And again, here the role of uh, the local communities and the communities in disseminating information and no rumors. But most importantly, it is the citizens themselves. They have to do a lot of things. And when I say that, for before cyclone, they need to constructing their house or any infrastructure. They should build the those infrastructure as per the cyclone resistance standards and check the wall of uh, any the semi permanent or kata things. Or they should not keep the loose materials. And then the branches need to be before the cyclones. this is very important. And when cyclone watch is issued, you need to reinsure and then, then you start tuning to the local radio television because you at this point in time need to get uh, correct warnings and early warning information and as to what are the impacts which cyclone is going to cause. And when evacuation is likely to happen, then you have to really help the government or evacuators. When you are evacuating, you are supposed to wear strong shoes, good clothing, and carry with you all the necessary items like food, medicine, and whatever you need for your day to day survival. What is remarkable
1: about uh, the science of uh, analyzing and predicting cyclones with the is different stakeholders moving as soon as the IMT rings an alarm. But someone who's seen the domain so closely, as it is said in the aviation domain, that when the air hostess or the steward tells you that you first help yourself by wearing your own oxygen mask and then help others. So how does actually the IMD go about telling the different stakeholders as to what to do and
3: when to respond? Fortunately, the IMD science and modeling has really developed so much so that uh, from the pre cyclogenous stage, forecast related to the track to intensity, point of landfall, time of landfall, And the impact cyclone is going to generate in terms of three main features like high wind speed, rainfall, and storm surge is very well predicted these days. And if you talk in terms of reference for this cyclone, particularly as you rightly mentioned, this is a very peculiar cyclone. It has really impacted almost uh, 50% of the spatial domain of country right from the Southern Indian Ocean islands to the Jammu and Kashmir and also the Himalayan states and including Nepal. So, along with the cyclone track intensity forecast and after it hit across the coast, though weakens, but its potential to generate precipitation remains though. It has been very well predicted for all the states and therefore the response mechanism which is heavily dependent on... The early warning mechanism are able to gear up well in time, and there is a good coordination not only between IMD and NDRF or NDMA, but at state level and right up to district level. That is a wonderful system which has been put in place. Talking about uh, the
1: India has two larger seaboards these uh, cyclone tote is now on the western side where you have states like Maharashtra and Gujarat and on the eastern side, Bay of Bengal side. Is it correct, uh, Mr. Rathor, to say that now we are seeing a lot of cyclones developing in the Arabian Sea also, something to do with the sea surface temperatures and also at coming at a time when it is peak summers. is this something different that you are seeing over the years? Is something to do with global warming, something that is
3: changing from the eastern coast to the western coast now? Nilab, both the parts of Indian Ocean, that is Arabian Sea as well as Bengal, are known for cyclogenesis. Uh, There is nothing new about it. And there are two seasons. One is pre-monsoon and other is post-monsoon. So as far as season is concerned, also there is no novelty. Because of the global warming, the oceanic temperatures have also risen almost by a degree or so. And this warming seems to be more pronounced in the Arabian Sea and the impact of that warming also seems to be more pronounced in the Arabian Sea. And we have noticed that although there is no significant rise in frequency and number of cyclones which are forming in the Bay of Bengal, but yes, Arabian Sea, the number and intensity both seems to be accentuating in the recent past. And therefore we see large number of cyclones which not only impact western coast of India but also countries like Pakistan, Oman, Yemen and the entire Indian Ocean rim, particularly the northern part of the Arabian Sea.
1: While it is commendable, uh, Mr. Ator, that the science has developed so much and our agencies including the IMD, the multiple response agencies that have developed the kind of precision to probably combat a cyclone and its after effects which has led to uh, the loss of lives going down, But if I can ask you, what better can be done so that zero casualty is ensured when vis-a-vis the cyclones are concerned because we have our coastal states, scores of population living in these areas. The last
3: word on cyclone signs must not have been said as of now. Despite of so much of accurate early warning and timely early warning, there are few deaths. And that is cause of concern. And if you analyze these deaths, I personally feel that most of these deaths are, number one, because of the flying debris, number two, sometimes snake bites, then number three, flooding, and number four, people who remain in high oceans. So therefore, the underlying message government is doing very good, let me tell you. As far as organization of evacuation, moving people out of the zone likely to be impacted by surge or wind or flood, etc., they do a But... Still, people don't heed to the advice of the early warning and also the administration. We need to really convince our people and people should understand that these are life-threatening and whatever loose objects which they keep in their house, around house, rooftops, on the road and their infrastructure, they have to be all cyclone resilient. And particularly those who are in low-lying areas and the flooding, again, caused a lot of things, damages, they need to be more cautious. Taking
1: a cue from what you said, and because the most important thing that is at stake here is the human life, the people living in the coastal areas, the fishermen community. How better can we engage the community in these initiatives, Mr. Radhor, given the fact that the kind of communication facilities, if you talk about the cellular or television So the kind of message that reaches these far-flung areas or the remote areas, how better can we engage as the community so that they are not only one of the stakeholders in this entire game, but also one of the most important and informed members of tackling a cyclone and ensuring that there is the minimal loss
3: of life and even property for that matter. There are three aspects. Aspect number one is creating better awareness. Number two is better information dissemination and communication mechanism. And number three, teaching the entire community about the impacts of different components, which as I told earlier, what is the impact of high wind on different aspects, extreme precipitation, storm surge. And storm surge coupled with high tide, or if there is accentuary or if a river mouth, then the flooding area spreads, and so the inundation, the area inundated in the coastal zone increases, and particularly the coastal people are much more impacted. And fortunately, to my experienced fishermen they seem to have a better understanding of these processes and they do take good measures but it is for the other people particularly the peri-urban and urban society who seems to be more literate they really are lacking in responding to these kind of mechanisms Mr. Ator, we have seen the kind of best practices
1: that the states, if we're talking about India, that the kind of measures that some states have permanently deployed, like in Odisha. In Odisha, we have seen that there are permanent cyclone shelters that have come up because every now and then the state is battered by cyclones every year virtually. So what are the best practices that one can also implement in the going future, maybe in India that is some states are doing, or maybe globally, across the globe, is there something better that ensures life safety and property
3: safety? Permanent shelter houses are a good idea, but they are more expensive to implement and in the off-season, how to make use of those infrastructure also is a big question, though they are being used. But the ideal way in order to combat cyclone, we need to have permanent shelters. But other community or government infrastructure, be it schools or other community halls or things like that. And beside that, at community level also, at village level, they should identify the certain infrastructure which can be used in the event of such calamity situations. That would cut more ice and more economically feasible solution.
1: Mr. So, Atul, the kind of multiple agencies... Because you would also agree that uh, it is not the job of one agency, be it central or the state. How does these agencies come on board so that a seamless interaction takes place? And as I said earlier, that once you flag an issue, you went to flag that a cyclone is developing. How do different government departments or different stakeholders and also even the volunteer groups, how do they gel across
3: and ensure that a seamless connectivity happens and that you address the issue
1: in a better fashion?
3: Basically, it is a three-tier mechanism you have to do at national level, at a state level, and at district level. And at all three tiers, the responsibilities are very well defined. And there are standard operating procedures and national disaster management authorities have a good connect with the state disaster Management authorities and DRF also have a good connect with state disaster response force and the equipment. Uh, there are certain costly equipment which need to be put as a central pool or a state pool. And they can be transported in emergency mode to the site where they are needed. And there is a good drill which is being done through these standard operating procedures as prescribed by NDMA, followed by SDMAs. And there is also good connect with the local bodies and the state governments. So that really put a very integrated response mechanism in place, which really help us better responding to the severe cyclones. Thank you so much for interacting with us, Mr. Arthur. My pleasure.
2: The Government of India has sent a notice to WhatsApp asking the messaging platform to withdraw its updated privacy policy. In the communication, India's Electronics and Information Technology Ministry said the updated privacy policy undermines the values of informational privacy and data security. It has asked WhatsApp to respond to the notice by the 25th of this month. This is All India Radio giving you the world's news. Three steps to stay protected and stay safe from COVID-19: wear face mask, do ki duri to maintain social distancing, maintain hand and face hygiene.
0: Indian Health and Family Welfare Ministry has said over 3 lakh 89 thousand patients recovered from COVID-19 disease within the last 24 hours. The country has registered over 2 lakh 67 thousand new COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours. A total of 4529 deaths have been reported in the country within 24 hours. This is the highest number of deaths in a single day since the outbreak of the pandemic in the country. India has administered over 18 crore 69 lakh covid vaccine doses to beneficiaries so far. Singapore government called in India's high commissioner today to convey strong objection to Delhi chief minister Arvind Kejriwal's tweet on Singapore variant of covid-19. The Indian High Commissioner clarified that Delhi Chief Minister had no competence to pronounce on COVID variants or civil aviation policy. In a series of tweets, India's External Affairs Minister Dr. S.J. Shankar said the Delhi Chief Minister does not speak for India. He cautioned that irresponsible comments from those who should know better can damage long-standing partnerships. The minister said Singapore and India have been solid partners in the fight against COVID-19. He appreciated Singapore's role as a logistics hub and oxygen suppliers saying the gesture of deploying military aircraft to help India speaks of the exceptional relationship. Now
2: let us take a look
0: at the coronavirus updates from around the world. Bars, shops and
2: cultural spaces across France have reopened their doors as the country starts lifting restrictions aimed at preventing the spread of coronavirus. Today onwards, group of up to... Six people are allowed to eat together at outdoor restaurant terraces. France's nationwide curfew is also being pushed back from 7pm to 9pm. Austria has also allowed restaurants, cinemas and theatres to reopen for the first time in six months. Customers with a green pass showing a negative test, vaccinations or recovery from an infection will now be able to take advantage of Austria's new rules. European Union countries today agreed to ease COVID-19 travel restrictions for non-EU visitors ahead of the summer tourist season, a move that could open the door to all British and to vaccinated Americans. After recording a downward trend for several days, Bangladesh has recorded a spike in fresh coronavirus cases and number of deaths. Bangladesh had been reporting lower figures for both infection and death over the last many days. This fight comes in the wake of a huge number of people traveling out of capital Dhaka to their native towns and villages for
0: Eid vacations and returning back. U.S. pharmaceutical company Johnson & Johnson has joined hands with Biological E Limited, based in the Indian state of Telangana for the manufacturing of COVID-19 vaccine. The vaccine named Janssen COVID-19 is currently approved in U.S., Europe and other nations including Thailand and South Africa. Johnson & Johnson has said in a media statement that it is working with Biological E Limited on the manufacturing of the COVID-19 vaccine. The International Olympic Committee, IOC, has reassured Japan today that
2: the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympic Games would be safe for athletes as well as the host community. This comes amidst mounting opposition to the Games and fears it will fuel a spike in COVID-19 cases. Speaking in Tokyo, alongside senior Japanese officials, IOC chief Thomas Bach said he believed more than 80% of residents of the Olympic village would be vaccinated or booked for vaccination ahead of the Games, which is set to start on the 23rd of July. Mr. Bach's comments came as Japan kept up a battle with a fourth wave of infections. He re-emphasized the full commitment of the IOC to organize safe Olympic and Paralympic Games for everybody. Figures showed that three months into Japan's vaccination push, Less than 40% of its medical workers were fully inoculated.
0: U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi has called for a U.S. diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. She criticized China for the human rights abuses, saying global leaders who attend would lose their moral authority. Ms. Pelosi, a Democrat, told a bipartisan congressional hearing on the issue that heads of state around the world should shun the games scheduled for February. She said that let's not honor the Chinese government by having heads of state go to China. China has accused the United States of provocation and threatening the peace and stability of the Taiwan Strait as the United States Navy sent a warship through the Taiwan Strait yesterday. The U.S. Navy's 7th Fleet said the transit of Arleigh Burke-class guided missile destroyer USS Curtis Wilbur through the Taiwan Strait demonstrates the U.S. commitment to a free and open Indo-Pacific. PLA Eastern Theater Command spokesman Senior Colonel Zhang Chunhui said the U.S. move sends the wrong signals to Taiwanese independence-leaning forces deliberately disrupting and sabotaging the regional situation and endangering peace and stability across the Taiwan
2: Strait. Indian Army Chief General M M Narwaneh today asserted that Pangong Tso disengagement has been honoured from both India and China. In an interview to a news channel, General Narwaneh said there has been no movement in any areas where both the sides have been disengaged.
0: The United States and its NATO allies are exploring a possible international effort to help secure the airport in Afghanistan's capital, Kabul, after American troops withdraw from the country. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, U.S. Army General Mark Millay, has said a secure airport would be essential to ensuring that the United States and European allies could maintain embassies in Afghanistan. President Joe Biden's April order to pull out all troops by 11th of September this year could inflame Afghanistan's internal conflict between the internationally-backed Afghan government and the Taliban insurgency. Now let us take take a
2: look at the major developments around the world as reported in the foreign press. On the crisis in Gaza, the New York Times reports wastewater in the streets and thousands fleeing. Reuters writes, no sign of a ceasefire as Israel-Gaza fighting rages on. U.S. House passes Hate Crimes Bill in response to anti-Asian violence is a headline of the Wall Street Journal. And UAE offers sign of some coronavirus booster shots I amid mean, questions on Chinese vaccine efficacy is a headline in the Washington
0: Post. 28-member Indian national football team today left for Doha for India's three forthcoming matches in the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 and AFC Asian Cup China 2023 qualifiers. These matches to be played from June 3rd onwards. As per the health parameters required to travel to Qatar, all the travelling players and staff carried with them negative test results from the RT-PCR test conducted in the last 48 hours. All of them were also in isolation at a team hotel in New Delhi. The West Indies has named an 18-man squad for the three back-to-back five-match T20 series against South Africa, Australia and Pakistan. Kiran Pollard, who led the team to the one-day international and T20 international series win against Sri Lanka, will continue to captain the team. A quick look at the headlines once again. India stood by Africa during COVID-19 pandemic by supplying medicines and vaccines, says its external affairs minister, Dr. S.J. Shankar. Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi conducts aerial survey of cyclone-hit areas of Gujarat, announces 1,000 crore-rupees release package. Johnson & Johnson Company joins hands with a firm based in Indian state of Telangana for manufacturing Janssen COVID-19 vaccine. France and Austria reopened restaurants and bars as lockdowns ease, IOC reassures Japan of its full commitment to organize safe Olympic and Paralympic Games with strict implementation of COVID-19 protocols, and US House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi calls for American diplomatic boycott of 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing over Chinese human rights abuses. India is celebrating the 151st birth anniversary of Mahatma Gandhi. Before we end, let us listen to his favorite bhajan, Vaishnavjan, by artists from Turkey. with that, we end this bulletin. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow with the next edition of World News.